In the last couple episodes, we talked a lot about shot selection. Now it's time to put it all together. This is the Beyond Hunter Ed podcast, where the focus is on all the questions you wish were answered in the classroom and quite a few more. So whether you're an accomplished lifer or a complete newbie, and you're looking to discuss all topics hunting in an entertaining and unfiltered way, you've come to the right place. I'm your host, Eric Jaitner. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Well, I hope your summer's going as well as mine. It's nice and warm, getting to use the pool. Love it. Getting out hiking, looking around, finding a few deer. Uh, Nothing crazy yet, but Hey, that's why I keep looking. E-scouting is in full swing and going to have to do a e-scouting mule deer and blacktails episode here pretty soon because honestly, that's what I'm excited about right now. I've been really thinking about where I'm going to go. I've got two hunts planned, uh, one with a buddy, hopefully up in Oregon around Thanksgiving time. And then I've uh, got a hunt planned where I'm going to take a friend who has a 12 year old son and he's going to get on his first, first rifle hunt here in California and trying to show him a good time. And well, got to find the deer. So hopefully make it a little bit less strenuous for him and put him on something where he actually has a chance to harvest a deer on his first hunt. So that's what I'm excited about right now. And that's why that's going to be a future episode. But That's not what we're talking about today. Today, I want to really dive into the putting your shot selection criteria together so that you know when to shoot and when not to shoot. In the first episode in this series, we really talked about why you want to have it. And I guess what I just said boils it down. You've got to have a definitive ahead of time plan for when this is a good shot and when this is a shot I should really not be taking or what I need to do to make it so that this is a good shot I should be taking. And then we talked about animal vital sign and this is where it all really starts or animal animal vital size. I'm not even going to edit that out, but (laughs) anyway, animal vital size and reducing that by a third so that we take into account all the adrenaline and everything that is going on. So we're already setting ourselves up where we have to be more accurate than what we really need to be in the beginning. Then on top of that, in the second episode, we talked about figuring out what our capabilities were with the weapon and using multiple platforms, you know, if we're standing, sitting, kneeling, using our bow, backing off every five yards, doing the same thing with your rifle, Figuring out what your rifle range is from a rest versus your rifle range from an offhand shot. Because both are reasonable scenarios. Like I said in the last episode, the majority of my shots with a rifle come from a rest. Part of that is because I really like to look to find a rest. And sometimes that rest is as simple as flipping the bipod legs down, leaning into a tree, and using your hand up against the trunk with that bipod to create a rest. It works, 
And it, I mean, it's simple, but it works really well. Other options, your backpack, a log, a branch, pick it. it you're going to find something that you can steady yourself on. So you want to know what your range is if you are steadied. You also do want to know what your range is if you're just shooting offhand. If you know you're good offhand out to 100 yards and you got a deer that pops up at 50, well, instead of figuring out how to get your rest, you're probably in a much better shot to just take that shot. That kind of comes to my idea of let's put it together because at the end of the day, you really want to take your first opportunity that is a high percentage opportunity. And with all this information we have, your personal capabilities, your equipment's capabilities, and the animal vital size, the vital zone area size, we can pretty much start to say what is a high percentage shot and what is a low percentage shot. Obviously, anything where your equipment is not capable so some examples we gave in the last episode where your equipment would no longer be capable is if you're a guy who is using the kinetic energy formula and you go, well, I'm going out elk hunting. Well, any time where your kinetic energy falls below 42 foot pounds at that range, you're, you're maxed out. Don't take that shot. And I might even jump up a little higher and say, anytime you're below 45 or 50 foot pounds, you're really running a risk there because you're, you're taking a chance. If you're doing deer again, maybe you're saying, Hey, even though the chart says 25 foot pounds, I want to be a little safer. I want 30, 32 foot pounds, something like that. And you're like, well, that's my max range. And that's based on equipment. If you're a rifle hunter, especially if you're using copper bullets. If you're using these copper bullets in a place like California, like I do, remember you have to check what your impact velocity is and whether you're going to actually get any sort of expansion from that round. The current bullet I'm using, I had to call the manufacturer and they told me I have to be hitting at least 1,800 feet per second in order for it to function. And then on top of that, we can actually use the kinetic energy the recommendations from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife for deer size animal being at a thousand foot pounds and for elk size animal at 1500 foot pounds. Like I said, I lump pigs and bear into the 1500 foot pound zone. And if you're going to go for something bigger, like say you're going for brown bear in Alaska, I'm looking more towards 2100 foot pounds or more because I really want to make sure that first shot counts. So once we have all that stuff figured out, now we know, okay, this is the capability of my equipment. And maybe you're a rifle hunter and you're shooting a 6.5 Creedmoor and you're out going out elk hunting and you realize that I hit that 1,500 foot pound threshold at about 200 yards. Okay, well, whether you can shoot well off the rest to 600 or not, it really doesn't matter. At that point, you've set your max. This is as far as that gun is capable of shooting, or at least of ethically taking an elk. And we know where the problem is. You know, I mean, it's either you're shooting or it's the equipment. 
it's really nice to be able to outshoot your equipment, but then you want to get new equipment that can outshoot you, and then you have to go to the range and learn to shoot better. And it just becomes this really fun cycle of getting good gear, learning to shoot better, getting better gear, learning to shoot better. It's a lot of fun. At the end of the day, it, it all works out. You just get to be a better shot and better marksman. So let's throw this all together, though, now. That was kind of a bit of a tangent, I know. But when I start to put it all together, and I'm going to use my archery example because it's just easier. But like I said, all of this just translates right over to the, right over to the uh, rifle side of the house. So the first thing I do is when I was testing myself, I have my measured distance from the center. So if I measured at 20 yards, I was 0.75 inches away from the center of the X. I put 0.75. Then I multiply that by 2 to give me a 1.5. I do that for 20 yards, 25 yards, 30, all the way down by 5-yard increments out to 100. Or whatever your range is capable of. Like The range I go to, I can shoot out to 100 yards at it. You may be going somewhere where you only have up to 80 yards, but whatever your range is capable of and whatever you shot. And this isn't like, don't worry about whether or not you're able to get out to 80 yards and still keep it in a elk's kill zone or 100 yards, still keep it in an elk's kill zone. That's not what this is about. What this is about is knowing what your limits are and then knowing what you need to practice to improve those limits or what you need to work on to improve your range. So, okay, we, we double that. Now we're going to compare that to the vital size and we're going to find our max range. So you have two things to compare. One, your personal capability and whether or not, let's use a deer for an example, a deer with a 12 inch vital size and we reduce that to eight inches. And then I want to look at what is my eight inch shot group distance. And in the case that I'm looking at right now, that is 60 yards. So 60 yards becomes my max range for the deer. And that's based on my personal shooting capacity with that with that equipment. Then the next question I ask is, okay, how much kinetic energy do I have at that range? Well, in this situation, I'm looking at a bow that is set up and it's only moving at 171 feet per second at that point. And my kinetic energy is saying is 34.7. Well, 34.7 is right in the zone for deer. So I'm going to go ahead and say that's okay. So the max range we've decided based on both the equipment's capability and my personal capability, my personal capability being the limiting factor in this case, is 60 yards. And I'm going to make that my top end of my red range. We're going to go with a red, yellow, green setup here. And then I'm going to do the same thing I've done it's a lot of thirds because it just makes sense. So you cut that into thirds. So at 60 yards, it works out perfectly. 
20 yards becomes your green range. Yellow range becomes 40 yards. And then your red range is 60 yards. So what does this all mean? Okay, well, in your red range, we're basically saying that this shot we're going to take only if the conditions are perfect. Examples of this would be an animal bedded with vitals not being blocked. A feeding animal that is completely unaware of your presence and it's given you a good quartering away or broadside shot angle. In this zone, you should also be able to stand up comfortably. We all bend the range. It's a lot easier to stand and shoot, plant your feet. We don't want to be doing any twisting, sitting, all these things that make are shooting a little less than ideal at this range. At this range, we're saying, this is my max capability. So I have to be on at all times here. So I want to have only the best op opportunity where I'm going to take that shot in the red range. But knowing that I had already dropped the vital size by a third, this is a high percentage shot. If I have all those other things covered, I can stand comfortably. I can draw back. I can relax. The animal is completely unaware of my presence. It's a high percentage shot. I can make this shot. I know that. So go ahead and take that shot. Now let's talk about the yellow range. In the yellow range, this is when I look at it and it's about 80 to 85% of your shot opportunities that happen in the 20 to 40 zone or the yellow range in this case, you're going to take. The reasons why you wouldn't take this shot is if it's happening fast enough where you cannot verify it with a rangefinder. You've got an extreme up or down angle. Animal is moving. You can't find stable footing. You can't sit down. It's, it's just way too unstable. That You just don't feel like you can actually execute a shot. You can't get to full draw or something that's kind of crazy. Or let's add in some environmental factors here now. Maybe it's windy. Maybe it's rainy. And it's making it really difficult for you to hold steady. We've all been out there on windy days. And you'd come to full draw. And you might have, it just, it doesn't want to sit anymore. And, well, that's going to make it more difficult. If you really feel like you just can't hold steady, it's too windy. Maybe you're getting 30, 40 mile an hour gusts. And they're coming straight, straight across you, 90 degrees. And it's just hitting you in the side you may not be taking the shot. That may mean, hey, I got to get closer. Rain. Rain is a big one, especially if you're a guy who likes to shoot feathers. Sometimes I like to fletch my arrows with feathers. One, I do believe it is more forgiving. And two, I mean, come on. It's just, it's, it's feathers on an arrow. That's what we're supposed to have there. Like, it's just kind of traditional. So I really like the look of a turkey, a barred turkey feather on a wood grain arrow. I just, something about that just screams archery. So the traditional guys, I know you know what I'm talking about. And there's something cool about that. And the problem is if you get rain and those feathers get wet and soak up some of that water, remember your arrow has completely unbalanced. You've added weight. It's not going to fly the same. So to pretend that it would, it is a recipe for disaster. 
So when you get into rainy weather, you're, you're cutting yourself down to, I have to be in my green range. So those are some of the things that might say, don't take this shot. But if you get decent footing, it's not super windy. It's not super rainy. The animal's moving, but not real fast. You can kind of tell relatively flat and you got a good range on a bush or something like that take that shot all day long like i said this is going to be 80 to 85 percent of the opportunities you get you're going to take in this zone and that tells you that at least 85 percent of the time an animal gets within within the 40 yard bubble on you you're going to be taking that shot if you say you're about 50 50 whether you're going to actually be able to get into a good position at your red range. So you got 50% of your shots out to 60. You got 85% of your shots out to 40. And then in your green range, now green range, this is one third of your effective range. You know, with a hundred percent certainty, you're taking this shot. The, the rare exception that you're not going to, that I come up with is really extreme angles and when i'm talking extreme angles i'm talking about let's say you're tree stand hunting in the midwest and you're 20 feet up in a tree and the deer walks directly underneath you when it's directly underneath you you really can't get a double lung shot it just can't happen i mean you got two halves which, which half are you gonna put it in so you really can't get the double lung shot that's not a good opportunity and so that is one of the few exceptions. Now, if he's off your tree 10 yards, take that shot all day long. That's not too extreme. Even if you're 20 feet up in the air, that's not too extreme. If you're in the mountains, you got a 30 degree down angle. Yeah, I'm, till, I'm still taking the shot, especially if it's 20 yards. Slow walking animals in this range, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm not even trying to stop this animal. If it's walking, I'm aiming towards that front shoulder and I'm releasing the arrow following through properly. And I'm going to let it just drive right into the right into the chest as the animal moves forward. Just that little bit. You're only 20 yards away. This is your, this is your golden zone. So let's talk about, I'm, I'm really talking up right now. The idea of let's go ahead. Let's take the shot, the 20 yard zone. Take your shot, take your shot. Let's talk about some of the, some of the things that would cause you to not take this shot we already talked about the extreme angle with the example being you're in a tree stand and you're shooting straight down onto an animal that's never a good shot opportunity another one that pops into my mind here is a running animal yeah don't don't take shots on a running animal um there's always another opportunity and nobody wants to injure an animal that you can't get so even if it's in your green zone, I, I just don't ever t advise taking a running shot. Now, a walking shot, like I said, all day long. It's in your green zone. But if you're with a rifle and your green zone is 50 yards and you've got this thing walking and you know you can hit the shot, take the shot. It's in your green zone. You've tested yourself. So just that leads me to the next part, part or point I want to make. We've set up this system. Now the hard part is trusting yourself and trusting the system and once you do that you're going to take a lot more high percentage shots because 
now you've got this whole blueprint going out. I've got my green zone using the archer example. If I think it's 20 yards, I'm taking that shot. Unless there's something crazy going on, odds are I'm taking that shot. If it's 40 yards, again, 85% of the time, I'm going to be able to go, yep, I can take this shot. I'm good. Even if I'm kneeling. Because really when I say find good footing, all I really mean is find a good solid platform. If I can get that yellow range, oh yeah, I'm in. As long as there's not, you know, complicating weather factors. And even the red range. If I'm doing spot and stalk, I mean, honestly, if I'm doing spot and stalk, usually what I try to get to is about 40, 45 yards. I want to get to a good shooting location where I have a good shot at the animal at 40 to 45 yards. The closer I get to the animal, the more likely that animal is going to detect me. Obviously, the further I stay away from the animal, the more likely I am to make a bad shot. I think that for me, that sweet spot is between 40 and 50 yards. I'm close enough to feel very confident in the shot, and yet I'm far enough away that I should remain relatively undetected by the animal. So there you have it, guys. We talked about putting it all together. We talked about the ability of you to know how far that shot is. Things that are going to stop you from taking shots. Again, once you get into the yellow range, you got to be able to use a range finder. Make sure I know exactly how far that shot's going to be. Environmental factors such as wind and rain. And then obviously the animal. Does the animal look jumpy? Is he going to jump the string? All of these things, you kind of set the criteria for how's the animal behaving. Well, if the animal's behaving really jumpy, he immediately jumps down to the green range. I'm not taking a shot on an animal that's staring me down any further than 20 yards. But if he's walking calmly and comfortably or standing still feeding, yeah, I've got him all the way out to 60. So those are the three big things that we want to watch. The distance, the environment, and then the animals themselves. Then combine that with our equipment's capabilities, our personal capabilities, and that animal's vital zone size. And you've got yourself a wonderful system that you can have programmed into your brain before you even step foot in the field to tell you that this is a high percentage shot. I should take it. This is not a high percentage shot. I should move closer. Wait for the wind to die. Wait for the animal to settle back down. These are just a few things that can move a low percentage shot back to a high percentage shot. So before the next episode, go ahead and go through this. Figure out what your next hunt is going to be and set up your red, yellow, and green zone so you know when to take the shot and when to pass. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond Hunter Ed Podcast. And as always, if you have questions, please email us at questions at beyondhuntered.com or you can find us on the web at www.beyondhuntered.com. Beyond Hunter Ed.